This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Harbor family. I am so excited to join you this morning in your Harbor at Home groups, uh, wherever you are, um, in South Florida, in another state, anywhere else in the world. I'm so excited to share this word this morning, uh, and I hope that my hope is that you will be able to explore this topic further with each other and to just increase in encouragement with each other and connection. So, The title for the message today is Knowing Your Oneness with Christ, with Him, with God the Father, with Jesus the Son, with Holy Spirit. Oneness. And I was so excited to talk on this message because really it was an area that I've struggled in in the past because I grew up hearing that phrase, you're one with Christ, you're one with Christ. But I never really fully understood what it was. And this last season, I have just been brought into such a deep understanding of it. And I'm so excited to just share with you what I've learned, what Jesus has been teaching me, what Holy Spirit's been healing uh, from uh, my past and just how I see the Father uh, and and things like that. So we're going to jump in with a little bit of scripture. Um, And it's actually one that we've been seeing come up in this Knowing God series several times. But what's so cool about scripture and about how how the Lord just takes you through it is that he shows different elements of the same verse over and over. So I'm just super excited to dive in with you. So we're going to look at um, John 17 verses 20 to 23. Um, I'm just going to read them and then I'm going to break down a little bit of word uh, use in there because that's what really helped me understand what oneness is. Not just the English word one, but the Greek meaning of it. So I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. I've heard that verse so many times, and, and it just took time to really study what each word being used means that brought me to this, this understanding of what oneness is, what it means for Christ to dwell in us. So the word one here, the Greek word is hen, and it means to be united most closely in will and spirit. That just means something so new to me. It's not just like I'm one with you. It means I am close to you and you are close to me, Jesus. And it just brought me to this understanding about what dwelling means because what can be closer to be with than to literally be inside of me? And and while that still was kind of a confusing concept, I just started asking the Lord about what it meant. And to me, it just means that I hear him. He's speaking to me. I get to look at him. I get to speak to him because he's right here. He's so close. It's the closest he can be. And really with a limitless God, he can be as close as possible in ways that we can't actually even put into words or measurement. And that's just something to explore entirely on its own. 
And then the word here in this passage too, in, uh, I and them and you and me. And again, it's just like that English word, I know what means, but what does it mean in Greek? And I found this, it means of a person to whom another is wholly joined and to whose power and influence he is subject so that the former may be likened to the place in which the latter lives and moves. That the former, that's us, that's our old selves, is to be likened to the place in which Jesus lives and moves. And that's that, that's that place where when we come to know him as our savior, when we are accepted as sons and daughters, that we are brought to a place of inheritance where we get to live and move the same way that Jesus did. And how was that? He lived knowing fully and completely that he is the son of God. He lived and he moved in the power that came with that. He lived in a place of freedom that we now get to experience because we are one with him. He is in us just as the father was in him. Another way to say it is that a union thus amplified and strengthened in the fellowship of God and the consciousness of that fellowship. Now I'm going to explore a little bit about what that means, the consciousness of that fellowship. But before I move on to that, I just want to talk about the two areas of oneness that's also being brought up in this passage. And the first is the individual oneness of of me to him. But there's also a collective community oneness that the body of believers is supposed to have as well. As we live in our individual oneness, it's, it's... almost easier, I want to say the word, it's easier to live in oneness with others, to build unity in the body of Christ. But to get there first, we have to know our oneness with him. And in an area where I felt like the Lord was leading me is that a lack of knowing our oneness is in places where our intimacy with him is a little off or, or it's missing. And, and that's just because the things are hard and it's harder to go to him. But intimacy is where we get to become aware and conscious of our oneness with him. So intimacy means close familiarity, that hen, or friendship. It's closeness. Now, I grew up in a tradition where intimacy was a very common word that's used, but not in a manner of of like comfort. It was like, he knows all, he sees all, and he, he's like, he knows everything about you. And it wasn't taught in a manner to me um, when I was younger as something to take comfort in, but something to be like, he will judge you in if your thoughts are wrong, if your actions are wrong. And so my vision, my perception of who the father is, was more like this supreme being who was ready to tell me what I did wrong and not necessarily how much he loved me. And when you have those wounds and that in intimacy and that misperception of who he is, the thought of being one with him can actually be a little bit more terrifying than comforting. And I really believe today that what we're going to continue to go through for the rest of today is that the Lord is going to start speaking to you and he's going to be revealing to you the truth of who he is and how he is not scary. How he longs to just embrace you and I'm just going to kind of continue with that. Like, why are we not choosing intimacy? Because ultimately, intimacy is a choice. If I think about uh, close familiarity or oneness, my first thought that comes up is my best friend, is my mom, is my sister. But it doesn't always mean um, Jesus is not always the first one who comes to mind when I'm struggling through something or when I'm confused by something. It's because I'm making a choice 
to go to a different place. And the first place we see that is just a real quick reminder of what happened in the garden in, in Genesis 3, where Eve was deceived by the serpent. But the deception came when the serpent said, but did God really say? The crafty, cunning serpent knew what place in Eve's mind and in her heart where he could plant just a little bit of doubt about the father, about her creator, about her promise keeper, about the one who knows her inside and out and who longs to give her everything that he wants for her and her destiny. And that serpent came along and he said, but did God really say? And the serpent is still speaking to us today. He can speak to us directly where he's, he's trying to plant doubts and he's like, well, you know, God gave you this promise, but it, it hasn't happened yet. Are you sure he actually said it? Or, or, you know, this scripture says that and you're supposed to receive this inheritance, but are you seeing the fruit of that on your life? He does this crafty thing where he's trying to just completely take away the vision of the Father God and put in the supreme being God who withholds things, who creates lack because it's a lesson, but that's not who God is. And I'm very... Um, very aware of what that misperception looks like because I've had to walk through being healed in those places. The other thing too is we allow our experiences with people to create our perception of God. And people are flawed. People are gonna mess up. Even the ones who walk in the most anointed ways, they're not perfect. And there is still a possibility where they can create a situation where, where hurt or disappointment can come in. But when we use these ones to create our lens of who the Father is, then it, it becomes difficult to choose intimacy with him. Where perhaps we're afraid that if we give too much of ourselves to the Father, He'll, hurt, he'll, he'll, not, he'll not fulfill it the way we're expecting, but that's because our expectation is coming from our experience with man and not from perhaps knowing who he is through intimacy. And there's also very real wounds with intimacy that have happened with people. And there's a range of that from broken promises to abusive relationships to absent parents and, and, and people who are just not in your life the way you're expecting them to be when you were going through the hardest times of your life or, or just that words have been used to create damage in who you are and to make doubt in who you are as a son and as a daughter and as a valued, beloved person. But I think, too, some places in, in not choosing intimacy comes with we're kind of dishonest about needing intimacy. We kind of, there can be this tendency to say, oh no, I'm not mad, or I'm not disappointed that this promise hasn't happened yet, or, or I, I don't actually think that the Father's not there for me in, in, all of the, in all of his ways. But if we're not actually being honest with ourselves about what we're feeling, it's not really possible to go to the Father with what we're feeling. So, if I'm not telling him that I'm, I'm upset that, um, I don't know, that the, the thing at work didn't go the way I wanted, or in my story, when my dad passed away suddenly a couple years ago in an accident, I, I held back on asking questions about why it happened the way it did and when it did. I'm so young, and, and I'm going to miss out on sharing these great things with my dad, and, and I was not honest with him for the longest time, and 
And I I finally, I was like, you know, I'm going to get real with you about my emotions. And, you know, in that place, he actually brought me into greater understanding of how he wants to be there for me. Because I promise you, I did not hold back in what I was feeling and and how I spoke to him. I would have grown up, I was taught to be like, you can't speak to God that way. You can't ask him these questions. It's showing a lack of faith. But in reality, my soul was hurting. I was devastated. And I had to ask him because there was nobody else that could give me the answer. And then there's also, <laughs> when, when you aren't honest with him, it's hard to hear him speaking. I just recently, probably last September, he revealed to me that I stopped believing in his goodness because of what happened with my dad. And there are other parts of my story that I could share about where wounds of intimacy or just misunderstanding of what the father's plans are that kept me distant from him. But in reality, he's not distant from me because he's one with me. He gets to, he, he dwells with me as close as is possible. And I don't even think I've discovered the whole dimension of what that means yet. And, and really stepping forward in intimacy, I don't think I knew this until literally I was just doing it. It wasn't a matter of like, I heard a great lesson or I did, and it didn't quite like get into my head, but I've really learned that intimacy is not necessarily what I built it up to be in my head, where I have to like tell him everything that I'm going through. And if I hold anything back, ooh, maybe I didn't get through everywhere I wanted to, but really like intimacy kind of, I think just starts with talking to him. Like he's sitting right next to you. Or, or even like, I don't know, writing out a text to him, but not sending it because I don't know, maybe he has a cell phone, but not that we have the number for to get like direct, commu- I don't know, I'm going in a weird direction there. But it's something as simple as like writing a letter out and just spending time and praying with, uh, with him over it. Um, another place is like prayer. I grew up with this supreme being vision of who God is that I thought of him as this like sitting on the throne. I can't look at him because I'm so full of a messy personality that he would like, I don't know, smite me where I stood. But in reality, I pray now where I'm like driving in the car and I'm like, all right, Jesus, like, what do we have for today? Um, What do you want to say to me? What do you have for this person I'm going to come hang out with maybe? It's just like, it's learning to just kind of talk to him like he's a friend. That's what intimacy is, right? Friendship, closeness. There's also other ways you can spend time with him. Just like we have these beautiful worship songs about he's the breath in our lungs and he's so close to us and, and we can see him in nature. We can go to the beach. We can go to the mountains. We can see magnificent creation and see him reflected in it. When we're breathing in every morning, we can be like, you are in my lungs right now. You're in every beat of my heart. You are in every step that I take. There's, there's a choice that we can make to start seeing him in every aspect of our lives. And when we do that, we won't want to turn to anyone else. We won't want to text, for me, my best friend when I'm dealing with confusion or disappointment. And she's probably like, okay, we've had this same conversation. I'm not going to change my answer. But it's like, okay, if I went to him first, or the confusion is disarmed, or I can start equipping myself with the truth of what he is saying, then there's maybe not even a need to reach out to another person because I'm hearing from him directly. Or by reaching out to another person, I can process things through wisdom with ones who know him. Just like I hope happens today as you guys through the, uh, go through the discussion questions in your Harbor at Home groups. Because 
we are not made to do life alone. That's the other part of oneness that we can't lose sight of. There is a collective community of believers' oneness that we are meant to carry, not just in ourselves. And a great example of that is what we just hosted here at the harbor, that 24-hour um, prayer service where it was multiple ministries who came together all for Jesus because we were one with him. And it was so cool because I actually got to do uh, a pre-prayer night before, the, uh, before we hosted that. And we were all coming in with the same verses on our heart, with the same words, with like similar pictures because we were one with him in his vision for that that gathering. And then when we came together, we just communicated it together and we went deeper with him on it. And it was just this beautiful thing. And I was like, man, I can't wait until, until we're in the room together. And then, and then what happened when we were in that gathering place for 24 hours of just worshiping him and going after his heart. And it's, it's hard to put into words what we experienced there. It was just a beautiful time with Jesus. So, when it comes to understanding our oneness, it really starts with asking the Lord to help us renew our mind. We need to ask him to reveal to us where we are currently seeing him incorrectly or, or where we have misconceptions of who the Father is, of, of what intimacy is. Because if we aren't, if we aren't fully aware of, of how we are um, either practicing intimacy with the Lord or, or miss, missing time with him. And I want to say that without condemnation, but in reality, if we're not choosing intimacy at all, it's going to be hard for him to move in places where he's not being invited into. And so I just hope uh, that renewed mindset just starts building today in your hardware at home groups. And I'm going to share a passage with you guys that I'm actually going to ask you to read out the full part with your, with your groups today. But I found this, this place in Psalm, Psalm 103, 1 through 14, and I encourage you to read it in the Passion Translation where you can really access the, the, that love language of the Father in it. And I'm just going to tell you the two places of who God is that I had a hard time with and I had to go to the Lord with. And I'm like, I have never seen this side of him. And in the Passion Translation, in one of the verses, it says that God is so kind and tender-hearted and so patient with the people who fail. And also that he doesn't look at us to find our faults. And I was shown that as a child, that was the lens I was given of who he is, that he was ready to pass judgment on me and say, this wasn't right, try again, or, or maybe even something even less graceful than that. And so as I was being shown these places where I misunderstood who the Father is, he took me in when I started saying, Lord, tell me more about this. Why do I think this? How is it holding me back from, from what you have for me? How does it hold me back from loving the world you want me to love me? How does it hold me back from loving my community? Because I, can't, I don't see the Father the right way. So that's one of the places, but I'm just going to kind of start back over with what the discussion questions are for today. And I I really believe that there's going to be something that happens in your Harbor at Home group today or um, anytime you're watching this later with the Lord and a one-on-one encounter with him where he's going to show you so much about intimacy. So the first question is this, how do you currently cultivate intimacy with um, Jesus, that friendship? And how can you continue to grow in it? The next one is, how can you grow in unity with other believers? Because again, we're in a community together. That's the part of the oneness. And then finally, read through Psalm 103, 1 through 14, 
what trait or attribute of the Father is hard for you to see or believe in? Pray and ask Holy Spirit to show you who he really is and to heal and restore the places where you see him incorrectly. Thank you so much for just joining in today. I really believe that you guys are about to have the most blessed time together in your harbor at home groups. And um, I hope you have a great week. And I'm just so excited to hear the testimonies about the intimacy of Jesus that's happening in every one of our lives moving forward. Have a great afternoon and see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.